Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, creator and person behind Shared Teaching. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. This is episode number 87, where we're talking about classroom organization tips and creating a system using your classroom organization. So I feel like after all these years I've had of teaching, that the key to being able to leave most of the days on time and to keep pretty close to my contract time is to be organized. And I tend to not be a super organized person. If my sister's listening to this, she's probably laughing her head off because she thinks I'm totally disorganized. I happen to disagree, but (laughs) she is a very type A, highly organized person, which is totally not me. So if I give that impression, I'm very sorry, but I am organized within my classroom. So having these systems in place for me is kind of like my game changer. It really allowed me to just leave, like I said, contract time. And that's what I want for all of you out there as well, because teaching, dang it, is hard. And I need to leave at contact time so I can go home and take a nap (laughs) and rest and recharge and be ready for my daughter. So hopefully this school year is the school year for you that you're going to get it together as well. And hopefully these podcast episodes really help you create not only a system, but just a relationship with teaching that makes you fall in love with it all over again. Okay, so the first thing you want to do is create a filing system. So for me, the biggest problem in my classroom and my home, if I'm honest, is the paper clutter. If I don't deal with it or have a system in place, then it gets out of control very quickly and things pile up on counters, on tables, in the classroom. That's the corner of my teacher desk. I have a little basket and it just gets overflowing. And then I know I really need to deal with this stuff. So if I don't have a set system, I'm not going to know what to do with all this paper. And if you're a new teacher, it gets, like I said, out of control so quickly, so rapidly. So what are you going to do? So I recommend having an incoming and an outgoing system for your paper. And by this, I mean, I need to know what to do with all the papers that come into my room, the incoming, right? And the paper that I might need to take out of my room, the outgoing paper. So incoming paper can be things like copies that I make. So anything I've photocopied for the week or the following week. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you know, I talk about photocopying things in two week chunks. I find that that's really doable and manageable. If I do any longer than that, then sometimes I might not even use those copies and it's kind of a waste. So at least the week I'm doing now and the week ahead, then I feel pretty
pretty prepared in case I have to take off for sickness or something. Anyway, going back to incoming paper, we also have student homework after it's been completed. It's coming back into me, so I need to know what to do, do with it, how am I going to deal with the homework. Any forms I get from the office, you know, the ones they are always in your teacher mailbox when you've had lunch, you go and you're like, oh, what is this thing I have to pass out? That might be incoming paper. And then the library likes to put past due notices in my box as well. So that's another thing that just comes into my classroom on a regular basis that I need to figure out a system for. Outgoing paper, on the other hand, might be, again, forms from the for the office. So now instead of it coming from the office, it's something that the office has handed out to me. Maybe a student or parent has given it back to me, filled in. Now I have to give it back to the office. So forms for the office. Things like student absentee notes, right? When they're absent, they have to write a little excuse of why they were gone. And that usually comes into me. And then I have to find out what I need to do with it. And this varies by your school. So if you're a new teacher, make sure you ask about those kind of things so that you're prepared when you start getting them. Then student homework before it's completed. So how am I storing that? Where am I putting it? And then graded work. Graded work is probably a huge source of my outgoing paper problem, especially if I'm not keeping on on top of my grading. And I've talked about this before in another podcast episode, so you might want to go ahead and listen to episode 74, which is called Organizing Your Classroom, Creating Working Systems. And I go into some of these details a little bit more than I do here. I also have a free back-to-school, or not even back-to-school, just an any-time-of-the-year challenge. It's called the BTO, kind of a play on the PTO which um, some of you might know is parent-teacher organization. So this is better teacher organization, and it's just a free little email challenge you can find by going to shareteaching.com forward slash courses. And of course, I have everything linked in the show notes for this episode. So that really goes into detail of walking you through just all the systems and how I really set up my classroom if you're interested. And then I also offer other teachers and the way they found that organizing their system or organizing their classroom really works as a system. So highly recommend checking that out if you want. It is free and it just takes your email. Okay, so depending on whether the papers are inbound or outbound determines how I file it. If I look at it briefly and then return it or I need to recycle it like I might do for uh, homework that gets turned in, it's going to go into that basket on my desk that I talked about. So it's just a simple plastic basket I picked up at the dollar store, just the letter tray basket. And if I need to hold on to it for a long period of time or a longer period of time, maybe a week, two weeks, the semester, it goes into this hanging file organizer that I hang on the wall behind my desk. And it fits, gosh, I think it might be like five file folders and somewhere I'll see if I can scare up a picture of it, but I am so bad about taking pictures in my classroom. But it's just a little file organizer thing that I picked up, I wanna say at like a Dollar General, kind of back to school time. And um, yeah, so just push pins on the back of my wall behind my desk and there you go. 
In the past, I've also tried file boxes labeled by subject. So I might have had one that said social studies, one that said reading, one that said math. And then as I did photocopies, I would put them in those file boxes. But I decided that that just didn't work quite that well for me. So sometimes it's just trial and error. Try a system that you think might work, that you think sounds doable. And if it doesn't work, tweak it or start over again. Don't be afraid to give up on a system if it's just not working for you because there's no use fighting something that's not going to work. Whatever you use, you have to have a system that's just going to work for you. Okay, the next tip I have about tackling your classroom organization for systems is student supplies. Knowing how students are going to be handling their supplies, I feel like is a big part of my teaching day. Often I change my system for student supplies every year to find out what's going to work best. Not every class is the same, but I also might learn a new tip like over the summer from like a teaching group on Facebook, and that's going to make me want to try something new. And that's kind of the fun thing about teaching is that no two years are exactly alike, and you kind of try new things. Now this summer, I've seen a lot of posts about pencil storage And personally, I have not tried the Pencil War Challenge, but I've heard about many teachers being successful with it over the years. So I thought I'd just touch on that briefly in this episode. So my thoughts on this Pencil War is that the upsides are students keep track of their whatever amount of pencils each week. I've heard five, I've heard seven. And this weekly amount should be plenty to keep them from needing new pencils or sharpening their pencils all throughout the week. The downside of the challenge is the cost and time to create these individual student containers of pencils, checking them, sharpening them every week, returning them. But if you want to give it a try, Mrs. Hazelton from The Wise Owl, I believe, is the name of her TPT store, has a free resource called Winning the Pencil War. And again, the links will be in the show notes. So you can kind of read through that, learn what it's about, decide if you want to try it or not. If you do try it, hit me up and tell me, did it work for you? Because I'm always on the hunt of deciding something new I'm going to try. Last year, I tried giving students three pencils, asked them to keep track of their three pencils. They were allowed individual pencil sharpeners. And they did remarkably well for it. And this is second grade. So I didn't make it a big elaborate thing about checking all the time. I just did spot checks. So I just randomly picked a day and was like, hey, hold up your three pencils. Do you have three pencils? And some kids had like 18. (laughs) Not exaggerating. (laughs) I had one girl in my class that I swear she picked up every pencil she could find off the floor every single week. And when I went to check... She had nothing but everyone else's pencils, and then some people had like two, some people had like one, and here she is hoarding all the pencils. So that was kind of funny. So whatever works for you, but when planning out my supply system for the school year, I first need to decide if I'm going to have group or individual supplies. And sometimes I have a mix of both. Like I always do these plastic book bins boxes, and I get them from Walmart, and I've had them now for... I think I'm going into my fourth year having these same plastic book boxes and I scored a really amazing deal on them. I can't remember exactly what they were, but they were on clearance at Walmart and it was barely before back to school had even started. 
So I scooped those up and I keep those on a shelf and those go and inside those are things that the students don't use all the time or I don't want them to get destroyed in their desks. So I've noticed with my second graders this past year and the year before that they have this big tendency to just kind of shove things in their desk and not really like pay attention to how it's getting shoved in there and then like covers are all like accordioned up when they put them inside their desk and like papers are flying everywhere. So if it's something that I need it to keep a little neater, like it's a reusable book from our reading program, then that goes in the book bin. So that's what I mean by like a mix of both group and individual because those are considered individual supplies because that goes in their book bin. It's just for them. And I also have them put their headphones or their earbuds in there so they know exactly where they are. And again, they're not getting like destroyed by getting shoved in their desk and lost somewhere, especially the earbuds. That happens a lot. So I also have um, students keep things like their pencils that they need access to like frequently throughout the day in a pencil box inside their desk. But this next year, I'm going to try to go back to group supplies. I really like just having little caddies on the middle of the group of desks and students just kind of help themselves. And then the group was responsible for how many things were there and making sure they kept track of the supplies. So I think that might work better for me this upcoming year because I am moving, in case you haven't heard, into a gate position, which is gifted and talented education. And I will be teaching kids from three through fifth grade, third third through fifth grade, sorry, (laughs) three through five or third through fifth. And I will have a lot of rotations of different kids throughout my school week. So I think just individual caddies would work best for me because they'll spend the majority of their time with their classroom teacher. But kind of just think through those kind of things, especially before you start school or when you're in your teacher meetings, of how you envision some of those things coming together in your classroom. And then how often they need to get to things and access them also will inform how you're putting things away or having them put things away. Now, I also like to have those book bins because they act as individual student mailboxes, and I am going to keep that component because I want to have a system for passing back graded papers. With my second graders, it also allowed for them to have a place to put notes to their classmates, and yes, they can write notes to each other, but they do it through the Letter Writing Center. And if you're interested in learning more about that, I will have a link in the show notes. Okay, next is teacher supplies. So we talked about creating a filing system and the student supplies. So now let's talk about teacher supplies. So once I figure out what to do with the paper and my students, it's time to think about me for a change. (laughs) What type of system do I need for my teacher supplies? And by teacher supplies, I mean anything that I need to teach a lesson and be comfortable in my workspace. This could mean carrying snacks and personal products in my teacher's desk for a just-in-case moment. You know, those type I'm talking about. I might also carry some Advil or something like that on hand because I do frequently get headaches. And it might also just mean having my favorite grading pens on hand or my favorite planner. And this past year, I loved having a planner to kind of jot down notes about what was 
I planning to teach coming up? I didn't use it as a true planner in the sense of that's where my lesson plans would go because my school is very particular about how my lessons have to be typed up. So a planner doesn't work in that case for me, but it was helpful for saying, okay, I think in this week I'm going to cover, let's say, graphing and math, and then I might get through this topic and have to do a test on like the following Thursday. And I would kind of jot that in my planner. So when I was sitting down to plan and my prep period ended, I knew where to pick up where I had left off, if that makes any sense. So last, I'm going to look at my small group instruction. And this is considered under my teacher supplies. So for myself, it takes me a while to figure out what I'm doing with um, small groups. And I feel like it's ever evolving as I learn and progress in my teaching career. So again, don't feel like you have to have this all nailed out and finalized. Things can be fluid and it can change and it just really depends on you and your teaching style and your group of students. Don't worry about your teacher down the hall and what they're doing because it might not work for you anyway. I'm very big on find what works for you. And it's taken me a long time to learn that. So I hope you take that piece of advice from you. From me, sorry. So I love using a plastic three-drawer cart, like those Sterilite carts you pick up at Walmart or Target, to house my small group supplies. I actually have three of them. Actually, I think I might have four of them in my classroom. But two of them I keep for my reading and writing items. And then I have a third one for the math. And this is just talking about small groups. And then within the drawers, I have further organized my items, right? Because those drawers allow me to keep different things and separate them further. So the top drawer of my reading cart has pouches for each reading group. And they're just like these file folder mailing envelope things that I picked up when I was living overseas. But you can find any kind of like zip pouch or something if you want to do this similar kind of system. And inside those pouches, I keep notes and copies the groups are going to be needing when we meet. Now, my school, unfortunately, doesn't have a small group library where I can go pick up a set of books for a reading group. So I just use photocopied passages for my reading groups, which is not my favorite and it's not ideal, but it's what I have access to. So the second drawer underneath that one is going to hold any fun supplies I'm going to need for my reading groups. And with the little kids, it's things like finger lights, pointers, timers, maybe word tracking bookmarks. And those have like a film across the middle. So they only read like one line at a time and maybe some spinners to play some reading games. And then the last, the bottom drawer is what I might call my junk drawer of my classroom It's things that I might not know where else I'm going to put them, and those drawers are pretty deep, so I'm like, hey, let me just shove it in here. So no judgment. (laughs) Maybe you have a junk drawer in your classroom too, and I'd love to hear about it. So then I go on to my second reading cart, and this is kind of like my word study cart. And I'm going to, again, use the same system. So in the top drawer, it's going to be anything I need for my student word study groups including my binder that I use to track my student progress through their individualized sight word system. That's something I've talked about quite a lot on this podcast and in my blog posts. So again, there's a link in the show notes about this sight word system if you want to purchase it on TPT 
Or if you just want to dive down a rabbit hole of learning about spelling and sight words, you can look for those episodes within my podcast. Now, much the same as that first cart, the second drawer is going to have any tools or supplies they're going to need to play their word study games or complete any activities. And then the bottom drawer is a little bit different. It's not a junk drawer, but I'll put resources that I might pull from for copies throughout the year that are not digitalized. So those are like maybe books I picked up at Lakeshore over the years about like phonics and word study. And those just get placed in the bottom of that drawer organizer. So I know I can find them easily. And then I'll just repeat that same system with my math cart of student supplies in the top, materials that they might need, and tools in the second one, and then any resources I might pull from for my math later, or sometimes I just put centers that I'm not using at the moment in that bottom drawer. Now, having a set system for my small group materials really helps me know where to put and find everything very easily as the year progresses, because I know as soon as the year starts, things get really busy, and it's so simple to just dump materials wherever I see a spot if I don't have a good working system in place. And then it might be to like Christmas time when I feel like I can come up and breathe again in order to make a system or put all that stuff away. So I don't want that to happen to you. Uh, Figure out and create a system right in the beginning. Okay, last but not least... My final organization tip of this podcast is digital work. You really want to make sure to have a system for your computer files and managing your emails. Now, I know on my personal computer, I can sometimes lose so many minutes when I'm searching for a file. I might have forgotten what I named it, what folder I saved it under, And then I'm maybe getting sidetracked because I'm like, ooh, look at this file I forgot about. And then I'm opening it and looking at it and reading it and be like, ooh, this would be great for whatever. And then I've lost my spot and I've missed in an afternoon and I still haven't found my file that I was originally searching for. Now, when it comes to teaching, (laughs) there's so much already on our plate. So we really want to keep organized to take back some of our time that we're losing. And at the beginning of the school year, I suggest, and this is what I do as well, is spend some time creating new digital folders and email systems for the school year. Now, this coming school year, I'm having a different position, so I know it's really important to stay organized. So I'm going to create several folders on my computer drive in anticipation of my workflow. And for me, because it's brand new, I might have to start this a little later than I normally would. So I might wait till I'm through all my back-to-school meetings to create these folders on my drive. Now, last year, I could start early because I knew what the position was. I already taught second at the same school. So I was pretty familiar with the same folders that I use repeatedly. So I made a folder for my lesson plans, and I just titled it Lesson Plans with the school year. And then I made a folder that was back to school. And then Report Card Comments. I like to make a new folder for that each year. So I might have subfolders within my main folder that just says report cards. And then I put anything that's applicable to that current school year in a new folder labeled with the school year inside the big report card folder, if that makes sense. And then the last thing I create for our folder is called assessments. And again, this is 
just for that school year, and I'm going to title it with the school year. So I might say 23-24 assessments, and within that, I might put anything that's digital or things that I might scan and upload that I have on hand. It really just depends what assessments look like at your school, but those are the big ones that I like to get started with. Lesson plans, back to school, report card comments, and assessments, because I know I will be referencing those throughout the school year. Now, for my email, I like to create folders for IEP meetings. I had a lot one year, so it was really nice to have that in one spot so I could go back and look for it for credit at the end of the year with my district. I put a folder for my administration, so any important emails they send me, I drag over to a folder that has their name on it, and I keep it in that folder so then I don't have to search through my whole email like, where is that email she sent about such and such? I just look in that folder and I can find it. And then as well with my grade level. So I might have one that just says second grade team. And then I drag anything important into that team folder again so I can reference it later and say, hey, what did we say about this? Oh, there was an email. I'll look in my email folders. I can also set up my email to automatically do that for me if I wanted, but I don't usually go into that high techie of an instance with my email. So on Saturday, if you're new, I have been doing bonus Saturday episodes for June and July for my summer snapshot series. So Saturday, I'm actually going to talk more about how to organize your email. So you want to make sure you tune in to check that out. And then the last thing I want to note is that right now, the doors are open to sign up for a free three-day conference called the Summer Self-Care Conference. And it's not just about take a bubble bath, relax, find some time for you. It's all about things like we're talking about today, about creating systems for your classroom or how to manage your stress levels. And I promise you there's some really good information on there. I have a session about talking about the writing systems that you should have in your classroom. And so I don't want you to miss out on that. Once again, it is free and it is available now to sign up. So if you go to the show notes for this podcast episode, you can find all the information there on how to sign up. So thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next time. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a review on iTunes. So we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. Podcast.